0: Tonight and and uh, as we read this verse, let's read this verse together. Uh, I think it's probably most have it memorized, but uh, let's just read this together to start off the service tonight. This is not my text tonight, but it's uh, what I think that God would have us to start with to set our mind for the message. Second Chronicles seven fourteen together. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this promise in your word. Lord, we thank you for the songs. Lord, how we love Jesus. And, Lord, thank you that we love you because you first loved us. And, God, I pray that you'd meet with us tonight. Lord, I pray that each one of us would have open hearts to the word of God tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd grab some truths and impress them upon our hearts. And uh, I pray that you might help us to, to do your will, not to hear it only. But, Lord, I pray, pray that you'd work in our hearts and lives, in the hearts and, and the lives of the people of Crossroads Baptist Church. I love these people. Lord, I thank you for them. Lord, I thank you for Brother Gary Ledbetter. Lord, he's been such a a, send, a, a man sent from you, and he's been a blessing to us in our church. And, and we thank you for the messages you've laid on his heart and uh, to be a help to each one of us. And, uh, Lord, we pray for safety and strength for him and uh, wisdom and give him the messages each Sunday, and we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you bless through the power of the Holy Spirit tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross and that, folks, we could concentrate on your word and the preaching of your word accomplish your will in hearts and lives tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, this is my 60th birthday. You didn't know I was that old, did you? By the way, uh, <clears throat> when I got saved, just to help you out on math a little bit, when I got saved, I was 22 years old, and we've been we've been saved as of tonight, 60 years. October 11th, 1963. About this time, only a <laughs> it was just about five minutes to eight, October 11, 1963, we uh, wanted to get married, and uh, <clears throat> Gail was living with my folks about 132 miles south of, in Nevada, where to work and uh, got there and uh, I, th- I figured he's going to say, okay, you come in this door here with me and we'll stand in front of the church and, and your lovely bride uh, come in the back door and walk down the aisle and he said, you, uh, you, want him, uh, you got him like an Indian <laughs> wedding, you know. I just thought that's you know the, what he was going to talk about. But the first thing he said was are you saved? My wife, uh, when they went to church, went to church. Of Christ, she had never in her life heard the word "saved." That's wow. yeah, a good Bible word. Oh, through the New Testament. <laughs> and uh, but she'd never heard that word, and so she told him that. And I had gone <laughs> several times, a number of times when I was growing up to. Uh, Uh, he was a good moral man, but not saved until later in life. Uh, so he didn't want my mom and us kids really going with us. But I went to enough to where I knew that I wanted to get saved someday. But that night, October 11th, 1963, how many of you, that was before you were born? <laughs> Congratulations, yeah. <laughs> Um, I was going to ask how many of you that was before your parents were born but I don't want to embarrass myself. (laughs) Uh, But uh, uh, he explained to Gail and I what saved men. He quoted uh, John 3.16 and uh, we both bowed our head. One week exactly we got there. What a change. What a change in our life. What a way to start out. So uh, God's been blessing for these 60 years. Give us five daughters and and Julius our youngest and uh, 25 grandkids, three great grandkids and soon be four. But God's been good, and uh, I think Brother Capel heard that uh, <clears throat> Gail's been preaching to me for 60 years, so he thought maybe it'd be good if I preached to her tonight. <laughs> I'm in trouble already. Anyway, uh, you guys are so blessed and so fortunate because uh, uh, I left all my notes at home. I got about half. Well, coming down from Lander about to the rest stop there. And I thought, you know, I left all my notes at home. But I'm still going to preach until the doors open right back there for Master's Club. Is that right? (laughs) No. But uh, God has really laid on my heart America. And I I love America, I love Israel. And I'm heartbroken over what's going on in Israel, and I'm so thankful that America's back in Israel. God promised he'd bless those that bless them and curse those that curse them, yes. so I'm thankful for that. But I want us to look at uh, Second, Chron- uh, Second Kings tonight. I know we started off in Second Chronicles. It's easy to remember the, the order when I was learning Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and the the books of the Bible. Uh, sometimes I get those mixed up, and then I say, "Hey, the last letter of the alphabet, S. I mean, <coughs> the, uh, it comes first, and then King." So, so there's. There's first uh, and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. So it's Kings is right in the middle there. And uh, so second Kings chapter six, second Kings chapter six. We're going to go back a little bit before we get to second uh, Kings chapter seven, because I think it's real important for today, for Israel, for us today, and us in every situation to get a little glimpse of what Elisha showed his servant and what Elisha made the troops of Hadad, Hadad uh, here. So we're going to start off. I'm going to uh, start reading in uh, 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8. And then the king of Syria warred against Israel tonight. Syria is uh, blasting away at Israel. Then the king of Syria, so it's not started just today, but uh, then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. So he's just telling just just his servants where he's going to be. And the man of God, now this was the king of Syria, Right? Okay, the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, "Be well that thou not pass such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. Boy, it's good to have God on your side, Amen. Boy. And, and so uh, the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him, and warned of him of, and saved himself there not once, nor twice. Apparently, a number of times. And the king of Syria said, hey, something's going on here. I must have an inside leak. And uh, so, therefore, the heart of the king of Syria, he was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, will ye not show me which one of us is for the king of Israel? We got a leak from inside. And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, the man of God in Israel. He telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. (laughs) He said, You can even go to the door of your bedroom, shut the door, get in your bedroom, hide under the bed, whisper a word, and Elisha's going to know it and tell the king of Israel. (laughs) I like that. And he said, go and spy where he is. Man, he was mad about (laughs) Elisha. And I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dothan. Remember Dothan? I think Joseph had a little trouble with his brothers in Dothan, right? But they said Elisha's in Dothan. Therefore, he sent thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city. Now, the preacher, he was sleeping, his servant was sleeping, and the king of Syria come down with this host and totally encircled them there. The servant wakes up in the morning, and a good servant he goes to get out to get the coffee ready, and goes out the well to get some water, and uh, have it ready for the man of God. And uh, he answered, "Fear not. Uh, um, let me see. I got. Uh, uh, Skip the verse. Right, verse 15. And the servant of the man of God was risen early, and gone forth. Behold, a host compassed the city, both the horses and chariots." And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall he do? He didn't say, What shall we do? He said, How shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with him. He said, Wait a minute now. Elisha, it's you. Elisha says, there's more with us than with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. He didn't hear, he saw. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses Hey, Lily, don't you like that? (laughs) Horses in heaven, right? (laughs) And he saw a mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. I like that. Round about Elisha. Oh, that when we get in a jam, and we think about Israel being in a jam, and if we open our eyes and really realize the jam that America's in, it would be so good if the Lord had just opened our eyes and say, hey, those that are before us are more than them. You say, more than the Chinese? Yeah. More than all Arabs? Yeah. But he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Now, that's just a little background, and now we're going to go down to verse 24, and we'll find out that Ben-Hadad was king of Syria. So verse 24, and it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria. Now, I don't know where he'd come from. I don't know if he'd been in his basement or if he had his head in the sand or what, what his condition was with not knowing what was going on in his, his land there. But the king of Syria, he gathered all his host and went up and besieged Samaria. Sounds like he had no fear of God, did he? He says, I'm going to attack them. And uh, he besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. A great famine. Behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for four score pieces of silver. Now, a donkey's head don't have much meat on it, and I don't know how you're going to get much nutrition out of it, especially if it didn't have any brains. But um, he was sold for (coughs) four score pieces of silver and a fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Things were pretty bad shape. And the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, and they cried to him a woman, saying, Help my lord, O king. Now that king, he had not, he'd let his city, Samaria, be in such poor shape there. I don't know what he had done with all the reserves in the, in the kingdom there. I don't know why there weren't some young men that said, let's, let's feed our families. Let's oh, We can take these guys. Let's go out and, and, and take them on. We'll break through, and, and we're going to feed our families. I don't know what we're doing with these young men. But he said, this king of Israel said, If the Lord do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor, which was empty, out of the wine press, which was dry? And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give me thy son, that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said to her on that next day, Give me thy son that we made him, and she's hid her son. And it came to pass, when the king heard the words of the woman, that he rent his clothes, passed by on the wall, and the people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. He finally woke up what was going on in his country. But look at the tragedy that it took to wake him up. We have our stomachs <laughs> flip-flopping, <and clears throat> tears and eyes, and think about somebody eating their own child. had in America every year there's over 900,000 babies born that are butchered and not born that are murdered here in America. My heart cries for America. And you know for every Old Testament illustration there's a New Testament truth. So many illustrations you could think of Abraham the day God had him take his son Isaac upon the mountain to sacrifice what a picture of a New Testament truth of Jesus dying for my sin years and then uh, of course the Old Testament picture of, of Noah and the ark <laughs> there's only one door Jesus says I am the door the way no man come to the Father but by me. I think of the day that God said, Moses, strike the water, rock for water. Moses struck the water, rock and living water come out. They didn't die of thirst. But remember later on how serious it was that he distorted that illustration, that Old Testament illustration that God had a perfect picture of Jesus force in the wilderness <clears throat> and he got mad Moses got mad and struck the, wild, <clears throat> the rock twice he distorted God's Old Testament picture didn't he it cost him a trip into the Holy Land but I think of the sacrificial lambs in the Old Testament <clears throat> the blood of the lamb and God showing an illustration of a New Testament truth that without the shedding of blood there's no emission for sin I remember where John the Baptist looked up and saw Jesus and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. But I think we can see many Old Testament illustrations, Old Testament appearances of Jesus. I think of Melchizedek, a priest that had no beginning and no end, no mother, no father, a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Is our our Savior Jesus? But I've been thinking this week about our America and the great famine in America. You say, preacher, we're not worried about a famine. We've got a hundred thousand dollars in the bank, and no worries. And <clears throat> Change some of your dollars into Biden bucks, they're they're doing it now. Electronic. <sighs> I'm not trying to worry anybody or but I see so many parallels. Famine. We're in a spiritual famine in America. There's a <clears throat> all over the South here in Bible Belt. There's lots of churches, but so few that take the King James version of the Bible and say, thus saith the Lord. So few churches that take the word of God and go to someone and say, if you died today, do you know you'd go to heaven? I had a call this afternoon. Somebody from Lakewood, Oregon. I give, I still have an Oregon number, so I get a lot of calls. And... and uh, I said, well, I'm on a national do not call list, and right now I'm studying the Bible, and uh, I can't talk to you very long. But uh, uh, before you hang up, if you died today, do you know you'd go to heaven? And praise the Lord, she did say, yes, I'm saved. I know Jesus is my Savior. But whether it's an insurance man, a support man, I'm, I mean, at home, I can't always get out every day. But uh, we can do what we can. But there's a spiritual famine in America. And verse 25 there. In chapter 6 says "And there was a great famine. Not just a little bit of a famine. There's a great famine. In America. I don't know where the young men were there. In Samaria. But I think there's a lack of young men today. In America. That will say up. Stand up and say thus saith the Lord. Too many of them playing games. Too many of them not reading their Bible or praying, Spend more time on TV. Do you know how many billion gallons of beer is consumed in America every year? I said b- b- billions with a B. Do you know how many million gallons of wine are consumed in America every day. My Bible still says wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. I know it's not popular to speak on, but did you know that the average amount of beer consumed by an average person over 21 years old in the United States is twenty eight point five gallons per year. Don't get uncomfortable. I mean, I was, <coughs> I was right there sixty years ago. I think about two weeks before <coughs> we was married. Gail said, "I'm not gonna, going to, I'm not going to marry a beer drinker." <laughs> and I drink all I want now. I haven't touched a beer. All over America, a multi-billion-dollar industry of young men and and women and I started to say men, but that's a loose term, watching pornography. Pornography has destroyed more boys. It's destroyed more marriages. <coughs> men, <coughs> I know. <coughs> I'm not gonna let into thy gate. I made a covenant with mine eyes that I would not hold. Hold the wicked. There's a great famine in America today. I don't know who had emptied all the reserves there in Samaria. I don't know where that king was and if he was hiding in a garage or what he, but he didn't have any idea what was going on and it didn't break his heart until he saw these women and heard them say about each other's side. Right, because you didn't get the other uh, uh, woman here. Where's the tears for babies being murdered? We read the verse tonight. He says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and say, why God not do anything? <clears throat> We've got to repent of our sin and turn from our wicked ways. I'm not perfect. I'm not standing here and saying, hey, look at me. I, uh-uh. No. By the grace of God, Gail and I have been married. Next Wednesday will have been 60 years. But I'll tell you this. We'd been divorced before now. I mean, if we hadn't had the Lord working in our lives and walking with him and, and reading our Bibles, we would have been divorced. I mean, before we got married, we decided, hey, we're never going to say the D word. Uh, we've talked about <laughs> murder sometimes, but, but, but never never the D word. But are you heartbroken for America? Remember the man with the inkhorn and Ezekiel? Preacher, you probably preached on this before the man with the inkhorn. And he goes and he goes throughout the land and he says, go before the man with the slaughter weapon comes. God says, I want you to mark every man and woman and child. cried for America. <clears throat> but you know, there is a solution. And we can look at the situation in America and, and uh, say, but Bridget, there's no hope. Last week, 8,000 young men fighting age, Monday, in Arizona, we got a dollar left down in Tucson, Arizona, just east of there on the Mexican border. On this Monday, <coughs> two days ago, 850 Syrians came through. They were not vetted, got on buses, spread throughout the United States. You say, preacher, you're getting me worried. No. Remember Elisha (laughs) says, hey, there's more up there that are on our side. In the last three years, they say there's been over 8 million illegal immigrants. I don't call them immigrants. Illegals come into this country, over 8 million. Do you know that's close to the population? I think the population of Israel is 9 million, isn't it? But I like what happens here, and the solution that God gives us in chapter 7. Then Elisha said, in chapter 7, he says, and then verse 1, then Elisha said, hear ye the word of the Lord. He had just listened to one of the government guys that stood by the king, I mean, I don't know if, if he was uh, um, head of homeland security or what. But Elijah just said, Well, uh, tomorrow, uh, that you're going to buy a, a bushel of, of flour for a shekel and, and two bushels of, of uh, barley. That's not the exact terms, but, but uh, for a shekel. And uh, uh, this government man that uh, was one of the cabinet members of the pre- president, the king, he, he mocked God. He mocked the man of God and said, Oh, if there was windows in heaven, God even couldn't do that. And Elisha, I like Elisha, man of God. He said, you're going to see it, but you're not going to taste of it. And when that happened, the people trod over him so heavily, he didn't make it out to have her taste it. But Elisha said, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold, For a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel, and in the and the gate of Samaria, then a lord on whom the hand of the king leaned answered the man of God and said, "Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be?" And he said, "Behold, thou shalt see it, and with thine eyes, and thou shalt not eat thereof." And there were four leprous men. Now, in the Bible, there's a clear picture of another Old Testament illustration, but also goes into the New Testament, of leprosy being a sign of a sin, kind of an example. Now, I'm going to have about four sinners come up and help me, okay? Four lepers. Jonathan, you look like a good leper. And Caleb, and Luke, and Samson. I want you guys to... But you know, they probably spent maybe years outside the city gate. And uh, boy, here'd come an old supply tank, uh, supply wagon with these oxen, and maybe he'd throw them a couple heads of cabbage. the city but they weren't any better off than the guys in the city and I want you to notice what these four leprous men did it says verse 3 and there are four leprous men aren't you glad you guys don't have leprosy <laughs> there were four leprous men entering in at the gate see they're not inside the city they're just in the gate And they said one to another, why sit we here till we die? Is that what you guys said? Why sit we here till we die? I mean, they kind of starting to figure out the situation. And they said, why sit we here till we die? If we say we will enter the city, maybe one of them had that idea, then the famine's in the city and they're not going to have anything to eat in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here still, we die. Now, therefore, come and let us fall under the host of the Syrians. If they, I like this statement. I don't know which one of them said it, but they said, if we save ourselves alive, we shall live. And they kill us. And they arose in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. That's Arise, guys! Now they're leprosies. Uh, they they're not moving too far fast. But uh, uh, now, when they come to the outermost part of the tents of the Syrians, don't you think they were kind of looking around and kind of afraid and kind of scared and wondering what was going to happen? Now, when they got over there, it says, uh, "Get back here in the, in the Bible." <clears throat> and when they twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians, so they wait until first minute, time in the morning, right? And when they were come to the outermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. Man, there were thousands of them just a little bit ago, and there was no man there. The look now, remember. Chapter 6, verse 17, how Elisha opened the eyes of his servant, and what they see? Well, these guys didn't see anything, but they are sitting there feeding their face around their tragers and having baby back ribs and all that stuff. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden, it says, the Lord has made the host of the, Herians, the Syrians to hear Anoint. They didn't see it, but the Syrians... They heard the noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. Doesn't that sound like the same bunch? Hey, that's the same group that we got hovering around us that we don't even see. We're on the Lord's side. We're in the Lord's family. And God's watching over us. And he said, the Lord made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of great hosts. And they said one to another, now this is Assyrians talking, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us, the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. And wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight, left their tents. I mean, they didn't time, take time to saddle their, their donkeys or, or saddle their horses. They, they took off on foot across the desert. Sounds like part of the, the uh, Iraq war, right? Uh, they dropped their weapons and they fled their tents and they didn't shut out the fire. They didn't take a, a hand bone to take with them. Uh, and their asses even the camp as it was and they fled for their lives. Don't you love it when God does something that just, boy, the, the noise that, that they heard. And when the leopards came to the uttermost part of the camp, they didn't into, went into one tent. We'll let you come back over here. This is not in the city of Samaria. So come back over here and find something. To, find a drumstick. Find something to eat. And, and they did eat and drink. Oh, boy, look. Apple juice. Oh, man. Oh, they're having a good time. Boy, their stomach starts swelling. Then they're having such a good time. And then they look around and they see some gold. Ooh-wee. And some raiment. And they, they, they took it. And went and hid it. I mean, they started hiding stuff. They started hoarding stuff. Hey, we've never had this, man. We've never had that so good, man. They had all kinds of gold and raiment. And uh, uh, they ate all they could, couldn't eat anymore. So they started hiding this this raiment and uh, this gold. And uh, so he says, then they started to think one to another you've got some family back home, right? In Samaria. They're starving to death. You look, look how hungry they look. They're starving to death. They haven't had anything to eat. <coughs> Except a little thing that does That's about it. <coughs> and your your grandma's over there. And don't you think she has something to eat? Need something to eat? you got a wife back there. And you've got a... Sister and a brother-in-law, right? <laughs> <laughs> and look what they said. They said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. If we tarry till morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come. And listen to what they say. This is a solution for a Crossroads Baptist Church. This is the solutions for each one of us. This is the solution for America. It says, now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. Don't you think that'd be good? Why don't you go and tell your sister? Why don't you go and tell your grandma? Why don't you go and tell your wife? Why don't you go and follow your brother in law? <laughs> <laughs> but look at what they said that we may go and tell. The king's household. How long's it been since you went and told somebody? How much? How long's it been since you cried because somebody is going to die and go to hell? i wept this week over thinking of 50, over fifteen hundred Israelis that were killed. I woke up Saturday morning, and the Jewish man that I met on the plane from going from Dallas to uh, to San Francisco. When we got off from San Francisco, he said, "Fred, I do believe." Joshua Boaz was uh, born in Israel, raised in Israel, did his bar mitzvah upon Masada, and uh, uh, he told me, he looked down his nose at me and he said, Do you realize my name is Boaz? I'm a tribe of Benjamin, and you're a Gentile dog? But uh, he's the one also called me on his birthday, and I said, you know, <laughs> I said, I'd call I thought I'd call you one last time, Fred. I said, one last time? He said, yeah, this is my birthday. He read me a suicide note. He said, no, he And I said, boys, you need not to just recognize Jesus as a Messiah, but you need him as your Lord and Savior like Nicodemus. You need to be born again. Nicodemus was a <coughs> Jew. <laughs> he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He came to Jesus by night. And Jesus, you've got to be born again. And just because you're raised in a religious home doesn't mean you get you into heaven. And uh, Joshua Boyes bowed his head and received Jesus Christ. Amen. He's been telling everybody about Jesus since in. He goes to a, a synagogue in Dallas, Texas. I talk to him almost every week. But uh, we were praying for his mama for four, three years, I guess, wasn't it? And uh, two weeks ago, we got a picture of her being, uh, first, three weeks ago, got a message that she got saved. She accepted Jesus as her personal Savior. We went to shouting and going and flying God and asking. Uh, uh, but uh, then then uh, last week, we had got uh, pictures of his mom being uh, baptized. Saturday morning when I woke up about 7 o'clock, I, I saw 70 some messages from Joshua Boas, and, and he had, Israel is at war. But you know, I, I got to thinking about America and I got to thinking about Sodom and Gomorrah. <clears throat> Talk about a close... Link between Simon and and Washington D.C. I mean, it's all over there, yes. all over the cabinet positions, all over. <coughs> it's thick over there. Uh, I got a uh, letter, <coughs> newsletter this week. I uh, even new appointee. Uh, it's last week. I'm sorry. It says, uh, the election of a self-declared lesbian Marxist to, to, <coughs> to be the new president of the American Library Association. I so ticked off, I went down to our library and I said, uh, is there any connection between you guys and the American Library Association? Are you a member of the American Library Association? They said, no. What our brother shared about a new speaker is so important. Uh, last week I made six calls to our congressmen I don't want to sit back and let America go to hell uh, but we remember Sodom and Gomorrah and uh, the Lord there, would you spare Sodom and Gomorrah? And the Lord said, yeah. And uh, he started to take off towards Sodom and Gomorrah, going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and Abraham said, oh, wait a minute, forgive me, but if, if there's 40 left branches there, will, will you destroy them? The Lord said, no. He said, Know one thing, we better do like four leprous men. Man, if God could use four leprous men, four, I mean, four, <laughs> four, guys, four unnamed, they didn't even have a name in the Bible, four unnamed sinners to spare a nation, don't you think He could spare America? I think years ago, we used to tell the story about the Methodists singing across the, uh, the song and across the street with the Baptist church, and the Methodists would stand up and say, Will there be any stars in my crown? And the Baptists across the street said, No, not one, no, not one. we went up to a camp. I don't remember if Danielle had been born yet. I don't remember the exact situation my wife could tell you, but just 82, and I don't know if I have another week or another year or another 10 years, but I sure want to grab as many sinners as I can by the hand and point them to Jesus and say, he's worthy. He's worthy. He's the only one who'll get you to heaven. I'm just amazed at how many people I see and I say, if you died today, do you know you'd go to heaven? And how many of them say, no, I don't know that. I'm amazed here in the South how many would say, oh, I was baptized when I, oh, I'm a member of the, my dad's a preacher, my grandpa's a preacher, oh, I try to be good. Only Jesus saves. Praise the Lord, Jesus saves. Amen. Let's bow in a word of prayer. I don't know if somebody's going to close in a song tonight. We'll have them come. Let's pray. God, we pray for Israel tonight. And just from the scripture here, we know there's a great host <coughs> horses and fiery chariots around Israel, your people, <coughs> more than the enemies of all the Arab nations around them. But, Lord, we pray for America, and I pray that you'd help us to stand like men, Say no to sin, no to temptations of the devil. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be a witness, to see others saved. And, Lord, help us never to face you empty-handed. And God, if there's one here that's not saved tonight, Maybe they've been like Nicodemus. They believe believe about Jesus. Or like one of the thieves on the left-hand side of Jesus on the cross. He believed about Jesus, could see Jesus right there. Maybe all his life, as far as the time that he'd heard Jesus' name, he believed about Jesus. But he died and went to hell because he was not saved. And, Lord, we thank you for the other one that admitted that Jesus had never done anything wrong. He was tempted always like us we, but without sin. And he called on Jesus, and Jesus said, "Today thou shalt be with me in paradise." Lord, you didn't say you got to be go to church all of your life. You got to get down and be baptized. No, He saved him right there and said, "Today thou shalt be with me in paradise." And Lord, there's no joy like seeing that happen in others in our presence. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be like these four leprous men, unnamed men that saved their country. God, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.